Today is Thursday, May 5th, 2022. This is the Link NKY Daily Podcast. I'm Matt Spalding, and these are the headlines we're following today. Federal grant process opens for Brent Spence Bridge funding. Reported on by Mark Payne. The federal grant process to apply for funding for the Brent Spence Bridge Companion Bridge is now open. The Kentucky legislature provided funding for the grant. Now, the Northern Kentucky Chamber of Commerce is seeking letters of support for the project from chamber board members and board of advisor members. Once collected, the letters will be submitted to the Kentucky Transportation Cabinet. With the recent allocation of state dollars for the project and all of the public support, you would think the Brent Spence Bridge Federal Transportation Grant application would be a slam dunk, said Brett Cooper, president and CEO of the NKY Chamber, in the email. Kentucky and Ohio will jointly apply for the Multimodal Project Discretionary Grant, which has been a top priority for the NKY Chamber for more than two decades. Thanks to our NKY caucus, the state of Kentucky has committed $250 million to help compete for the project. Now that the federal grant process is underway, we are in a position to compete for federal funding and hopefully get construction started next year, Cooper said. Funding for the bridge has been a saga that started in January, when Bashir put forth $250 million in matching funds for three major infrastructure projects, including I-69 and the Mountain Parkway project. Initially, the Senate budget had only $200 million. But Senator Chris McDaniel, Republican from Ryland Heights, said they settled on the higher amount after conferring with the governor. At a press conference in April, Bashir approved of more funding for the project when he signed House Bill 242, the House's biennial transportation budget. Sponsored by Representative Sal Santoro, Republican from Union, the budget includes $1.3 billion in funds for the Brent Spence Companion Bridge. This is in addition to the $2 billion expected from the Federal Infrastructure Bill. The total cost of the project is expected to be $2.8 billion. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg said that until recently, the federal government had limited ability to give awards beyond a certain level or to support projects with funding for multiple federal grant programs. President Biden's bipartisan infrastructure law is a -a once-in-a-generation opportunity to fix our outdated infrastructure and invest in major projects for the future of our economy, Buttigieg said in a release. Crescent Springs Dentist Charged in 24-Year-Old's Death, reported on by Caitlin Gebby. A Crescent Springs dentist is one of two Kentucky doctors named and charged in a federal opioid sting. On Wednesday, the Department of Justice announced criminal charges against 14 individuals in eight federal districts across the U.S. for their alleged involvement in opioid-related crimes, including overprescribing patients. Among them was Jay Cedrinia, a dentist practicing at Tri-State Dental in Crescent Springs. According to the Justice Department, Sardinia is charged with unlawfully prescribing morphine. The patient died from a morphine overdose, allegedly from one of the prescriptions the dentist issued during those five days. An unnamed Kentucky doctor was charged for unlawfully prescribing opioids to patients on Medicare and Medicaid. The defendant allegedly preyed on these patients for continued access in order to bill these programs for medically unnecessary procedures, the release states. The charges were part of a larger operation combating opioid distribution in the area called the Appalachian Regional Prescription Opioid Strike Force, or ARPO. ARPO investigates cases in Alabama, Kentucky, Ohio, Virginia, Tennessee, and West Virginia. The agency has charged more than 100 defendants with opioid-related crimes over the last three years who have allegedly distributed an estimated 115 million pills to patients combined. Doctors and healthcare professionals are entrusted with prescribing medicine responsibly and in the best interests of their patients. 
Today's takedown targets medical providers across the country whose greed drove them to abandon this responsibility in favor of criminal profits, said Administrator Ann Milgram of the Drug Enforcement Agency. The DEA will use every tool at our disposal to stop drug diversion and fraud, and we are working tirelessly each day to make our community safer and healthier. Kentuckians struggling with addiction can find help by calling 833-8KY-HELP or logging into findhelpnowky.org. End insight for one Highland mixed-use development in Fort Thomas. This story is written by Lily Bowden as part of Link NKY's partnership with Northern Kentucky University. You may have noticed while driving down north of Fort Thomas Avenue or Highland Avenue in Fort Thomas, a development coming to fruition on the corner. One Highland, a mixed-use luxury condominium and commercial-slash-retail development, began four years ago with the approval process. But construction didn't start until February of 2020. Now an end is in sight, with a furnished model of the residential quarters set to be on view by May 15th, after which the residential sales can begin. The developer for this complex is Grywe Development. President Rick Grywe said the developers wanted to come together to create a town center where residents are able to live a more engaging lifestyle. We only build in town centers that have amenities like Fort Thomas, Grywe said. All services within walking distance, parks, the hometown feel, and I knit these new developments into the existing fabric of a community so it feels like home. The One Highland Estate consists of in-building commercial space on the first floor with residential living above, along with a 40-car garage below the complex with two assigned parking spaces and storage for each unit. Some businesses you can expect to move into this complex, Fort Thomas Coffee, which includes a bakery that turns into a wine bar at 4 p.m., Bisbee Capital Financial Services, and Dr. Troy Kramer's Dentistry. There's also a possibility of a women's apparel shop moving into the complex, along with a kids' corner and general workspace, Grabby said. Now that we can see the end in sight, we will be having a grand opening celebration on June 29th. As for parking, the back property of 18 North Fort Thomas will now be a parking lot for the whole Cultural Arts District, said Economic Development Director and Events Coordinator for Fort Thomas, Chanda Callantine. We will make changes as we see fit and respond as needed if any problems arise after the opening of One Highland. Finance Director Joe Ewald said some people who live near the development have had to deal with parking issues, construction noise, and traffic. But, Ewald said, its location benefits citizens because they have access to retail and are able to live in a walkable community. Get to know the candidates running for Kenton County Clerk and their thoughts on voter fraud. Reported on by Kenton Hornbeck. Incumbent Kenton County Clerk Gabriel Summy faces one challenger, Danny Whitaker, in the Republican primary on May 17th. Summy has been the Kenton County Clerk for the past 12 years. She was first elected to the office in 2010. In 2010, Summy became the first female county clerk elected to office in the history of Kenton County. I am running for re-election because I have put a lot of things in place. I've changed a lot of programs in place, and they're working well, but I know I can make them better, Summy said. Summy is a graduate of Xavier University, holding a Bachelor of Arts in Public Relations and Communications. She has a law degree from Northern Kentucky University's Salmon P. Chase College of Law. She worked in the Kenton County Attorney's Office as the Director of Kenton County Child Support for approximately eight years, then as the Assistant Kenton County Attorney for nine years. Over the years, a lot has changed, and we have been able to change with the law, Summy said. One of the key things I've been super proud of is when the pandemic shut the world down. We did not shut down. We continued to be very innovative on how we were able to help the public. 
When people couldn't come into the Kenton County Government Center, Summy said she and her staff still found creative ways to still get residents away to get their business. She said she is super proud of her staff for being adaptable throughout unprecedented circumstances. Summy said she is currently in the process of digitizing and indexing all real estate records in Kenton County dating back to 1840. This will help make the office much more user-friendly. I am committed to continuing to advance our long-term projects, but also continuing to find ways to streamline our office that make it easier for the public to use, Summy said. I truly believe that this is the business office of the citizens, and it should be something that they can use so that it's not a complicated process. Summy's challenger is Danny Whitaker, a native of Newport and veteran of the United States 82nd Airborne and 1st Psychological Operations. Whitaker is a graduate of NKU, holding a Bachelor's of Science degree in marketing with a concentration in honors education. I've had dozens and dozens of professional executive level trainings, including a certification as a Master in Design Thinking from Massachusetts Institute of Technology Sloan School of Management, Whitaker said. Whitaker's campaign is focused on making visits to the Kenton County Courthouse more efficient, performing offices' required duties, and ensuring election integrity. On the day before you were allowed to actually declare as a candidate, I convinced myself that somebody needed to challenge the status quo and get in here and find out what's going on with elections, Whitaker said. The issue Whitaker said he is most focused on is ensuring election integrity in Kenton County. The key to living in a nonviolent society is trust in elections. I have no trust that Kenton County has an election system that would stand the scrutiny of a forensic audit, Whitaker said in an op-ed submitted to Link NKY. In fact, I cannot believe the state of our county's voter registration rolls. Today, our clerk claims we have 142,154 registered voters, but our county only has 129,000 people eligible to vote. On his campaign website, Whitaker said he isn't convinced that Kenton County has accurate voter registration rolls, accurate vote counts, and says Kenton County lacks election transparency. Like most Americans, I just assumed our elections are fairly and accurately executed, and I thought the results accurately reflect the will of the people, Whitaker said on his campaign website. Whitaker also said he wants to modernize the clerk's office procedure to make them more efficient. He described wanting to make going to the clerk's office an enjoyable experience. Whitaker said he wants to tweak the system in place at the Kenton County clerk's office to make them faster, better, and cheaper. Whitaker says his career experience as a high-tech IT recruiter will help him identify problems quicker and find solutions that work for everyone. I want to make incremental improvements in the way we transact business with the public, Whitaker said. Kentucky Secretary of State Michael Adams has asserted on multiple occasions that there was no voter fraud in Kentucky during the 2020 election. Kentuckians should trust the election officials and the thousands of our poll workers, both Democrats and Republicans, who actually run our elections, not the people who sell tickets to shows offering evidence but do not provide it to election officials or law enforcement, Adams told Link NKY's Mark Payne. In the 2020 election, Republican incumbent President Donald Trump won Kenton County convincingly, defeating Joe Biden with a 48,129 to 32,371 vote count. The Louisville Courier-Journal reported that 100% of the votes were counted in Kenton County. On Whitaker's campaign website, he said, If we the people don't like what's going on, we usually wait patiently, then go out to the polls and make changes in our representatives, local, state, and federal. But what do you do when a desperate group of people stop being honorable and start conspiring to alter the results of elections? You lose your voice. They disenfranchise us in order to gain power over us. I believe it is plausible that our country's most recent election saw fraud. In fact, I now wonder how long have our elections been corrupt? How long have our local leaders stood by and just watched? 
The Kenton County Clerk in the County Board of Elections oversees countywide elections. Summy disputes this characterization that the state of Kentucky and Kenton County have insecure elections. I know that my bipartisan election board is super committed and knows how important elections are, Summy told Link NKY. We make sure that election integrity is intact for Kenton County. Your elections are secure. There are rules and laws that I must follow. I can't just remove somebody wholeheartedly just to make the voter roll sit at a certain number, Summy said. That would be scary if the county clerk had the power to remove people just because I thought they moved. Summy said the state of Kentucky has put countless security protocols in place to ensure election security, and that Kentucky has codified those protocols into law. According to Summy, voting drop boxes are under video surveillance and voting equipment is surveilled by a recorded video feed. After the voting equipment is done being used on election day, the area is quarantined where the equipment will sit for 60 days under video surveillance. Summy said Kenton County is a pilot program for risk-limiting audits, which is bipartisan post-election auditing legislation. According to the National Conference of State Legislators, a post-election audit checks that the voting equipment and procedures used to count votes worked properly and that an election yielded the correct outcome. We've always audited here, Summy said. If there's more things required by the state, that's fine. We'll do them too. Internal poll shows Massey with commanding primary lead, reported on by Mark Payne. An internal poll from Representative Thomas Massey's campaign shows that the Republican incumbent in the 4th Congressional District has a massive lead over his opponent in the primary. Despite the commanding lead, Massey has been campaigning quite hard in the district. In April, he participated in a Zoom primary debate while also attending several Lincoln-Reagan dinners throughout the district and an event at the Covington Optimist Club. We aren't taking it for granted, Massey said last month to Link NKY. He elaborated that he has new ground to cover due to redistricting, including Nelson County, where he recently stumped. Over recent months, Massey's opponents have criticized him for some of his votes. Most recently, his Democratic opponent, Matthew Lehman, criticized Massey for voting against the Asset Seizure for Ukraine Reconstruction Act, which is a symbolic bill which called on President Joe Biden to seize already frozen assets of oligarchs connected to Russian President Vladimir Putin. Extremism is extremism, regardless of the party, Lehman said. Kentuckians support Ukrainians fighting for their lives and for their communities. The United States will seize ill-gotten assets of Russian oligarchs to help fund Ukraine's defense. Kentucky will do its part to remove the extremist Thomas Massey from office in November. Massey said he voted against the bill because he didn't want to give President Biden that much power. Giving Joe Biden unilateral authority to seize property in the United States without any due process sets a dangerous and disturbing precedent, Massey said. The poll was conducted by Robert Blizzard of Public Opinion Strategies. A total of 300 Republican primary voters were interviewed from April 28th to May 1st. And those are the stories we're following for Thursday, May 5th, 2022. For more on these stories and to see what else is happening in Northern Kentucky, please visit linknky.com.